We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. All right, welcome in MPW Digital post-game show. Ole Miss knocking off Troy 28-10. to not exactly a, uh, a complete effort for the Rebels, but we'll get into it here today. Appreciate all you guys uh, jumping in. We'll give you a few more minutes. We will uh, – can you hear me okay? We all good? Obviously, first time with this setup, first time hosting this thing, but let's uh, let's uh, let's knock it out. No, I'm, I'm not eating with Neil's family. I am, uh, I'm at home for this one now. We'll let a few people get in. We'll call Jeffrey in a few minutes. We'll talk to him. We're waiting on Neil to um, – Get done with post game. We'll ask him what Lane Kiffin had to say. We'll talk to him about uh, about several things as uh, as well. Call Brian Ripley again. We'll take your calls here for the next little bit. And we'll watch some football. I've got Alabama up now. What channel is Florida and Utah on? By the way, that's I, I feel like I feel like that's probably the one we we should we should check out. I also feel like we probably are trying to uh, talk you guys off the ledge a little. If the message board is any indication. People uh, a little frustrated with Ole Miss's performance, but again, it's okay. We'll uh, we'll, we'll go through it here with you uh, here with you today. Yes, Neil was at the game. He uh, probably is doing the press conference right about now, and then he will call us when that is uh, when that is over. So um, ESPN is Utah and and Florida. Okay, let me get that on. We'll watch that. What are you guys watching? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, we've got. Um, Got observations up. Obviously, I'll talk through um, talk through those here with you uh, on the show as well. But you can read those at ribblegrove.com now or when we're done, either one. Um, the picture behind me is Breeze with the George Rodriguez Blue Dog. Those were right after Katrina they did those. Um, so I think I think it was after Katrina, so 2007, 2008. Um, I'm a Blue Dog fan, so it's, it's Breeze. You see his legs, and then it's... Uh, it's it's the George Rodriguez Blue Dog um, under that. So, what'd you guys think? Yeah, I, Kiffin did not seem overly pleased at all. Yeah, I agree with that, and he, he shouldn't. I mean, the second half, 
it was said there. He, he it was a complete snoozer. It was it, it was it was not good overall. Um, they did not. I, you know, defense actually I thought played pretty well most of the day, but offensively, that second half was pretty rough. I think they only had 165 yards of total offense, something like that. And it, uh, you know, just no rhythm in the passing game really the entire day. And it's it's an odd deal because I, I didn't think Jackson Dart was terrible. I, I thought he was ex- kind of as expected. I thought the two things that we thought were potentially problems with Dart were problems, frankly. I, I think that happened. You talked about, you know, he's going to stay on one receiver too long. The interception was that. He, he was looking at the right side of the field the entire time. And then um, – he overthrew some guys early. You know, I, I thought he did some good things. I think there's upside. I think he's better right now than Matt Corral was as, as a redshirt freshman in, in 2019. Um, and I think in some ways the fan base, the program, they you're coming off Corral, and it's a little startling to watch somebody at quarterback that's that, that's not Corral, frankly, at that point. Yeah, Corey Coleman was excellent at linebacker. I said I thought they played pretty well. Um, for the most part, defensively, I, you know, Kiffin was complimentary of him multiple ways. I thought that went uh, went pretty good. Let's go ahead and let's try to call Jeffrey. And to be honest, I'm not a hundred percent sure which thing we're going to use to call him, but we'll uh, we'll deal with it here. See what we can uh, come up with. So give me a second. Let's uh, let's give Jeffrey a shout. It'll uh, it'll take me just a minute to do it. Wow, well, I think we're getting kind of enough people in to uh, to go ahead and knock that out. It's the one change when you're by yourself. But we will get uh, get Neil on the line also. Yeah, we just saw nothing. We just saw nothing at all from. Hi, you've reached Jeffrey with 92.9 FM. Please leave. We'll let Jeffrey call us back there. Jeffrey? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, you're really. Quiet. You're not coming through my headphones the same way as when I was calling you. Any idea why? I heard your voicemail very, very clear, but I'm getting you really, really, really lightly right now. All right, I guess try it again. Okay, hang up. We'll call you right back. So what happens when this is going on? So just give us a second. We'll get uh, we'll get Jeffrey on the on the on the horn. I tested all this stuff several times, so we shouldn't be having any issues because we're all hearing the the Skype portion well. It's when he actually answers that is the uh, is the issue. All right, how about now? Yeah, I don't know. You're quiet. What 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 are we getting in the stream for uh for Jeffrey? You understand you can't hear you. Hold on, let me I feel like I've got you turned all the way up. Any better here? Any better there? That's getting a little better. better. Yeah, that continues. Any better here? Better. Yeah, I'm still hearing you a little more now. Um You're more of a producer than I am. Any idea what that could be? Because it like when it rains, yeah. it's completely loud and clear and no I, issues. I don't know. How about now? It's it's better. Um, 
I think you're saying testing, quiet. Testing, we can, one, two, three, check, one, two. Testing, testing, one, two, three, mic check, one, two. Yeah, I can hear you. Um, they are not hearing you very well. All right, hang on. And let me kind of play with it, too, while you're doing that. It's okay. We're live. It is what it is. We're just hanging out. Uh, Dylan, what's happening? T- Tulsa kicking. All right. Here, let me just go get, like, my AirPods. Okay. I think he will call us back in a second. I'm sorry about that. We've tested it's been fine. I don't know. Um, oh, actually, they said you're good now. So, okay. When we get him back, we'll go with that. There's about a 45 second delay. So, it, it always does some weird stuff when that's, uh, that's the case. But we'll get him back on. So, are we getting, is South Florida just now ending? Is that what's causing the problem with Florida and Utah? Is that is that the issue there? Hello. Okay, how about now? Yeah, they said you actually were fine. It was just that 45-second uh, pause, you know, that always happens, and I think that was causing the issue. So we are uh, – we're, we're, we're good to go. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm having to talk these people off the ledge a little, Jeffrey. Um, we'll start on offense. We always thought there was going to be we, – we knew there was going to be a fall-off for Matt Corral. We knew whatever. Was it as expected? Kind of – what were your expectations going in, and then what did you see from the quarterback position today from Jackson Dart? Yeah, so it's not only just a drop-off. I mean, I think I think the problem that everyone is going to have, and I don't blame them, but you have to – I think you have to accept this is a completely different day and age. And Ole Miss's schedule has completely allowed for them to essentially treat this like the preseason. And with this many transfers on offense – and the type of read and react offense that they run, it's not going to look good. And um, it's going to look stagnant, and they have to, like, kind of go along at their own pace. Um, you know, I, it's just I, – I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to tell fans how to – because in the end, like, you feel the way that you feel. Because I honestly thought Dart was not the biggest disappointment to me. Uh I thought off that offensive line, like I know they ran for a lot of yards, but that I would like to see what the yards after contact, you know, because I felt like that was a lot of running backs getting, uh, getting yards after contact. I did not think they, uh, I didn't think they established the line of scrimmage very well. Yeah, they have two elite running backs with Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins, and that allowed them to get tons of yards in the run game. You're right. I'll, I'll be curious about pro football focuses stats on the after contact, all those type of things. And frankly, I didn't think they pass block very well. I mean, Troy's got two pretty good edges, but that's not going to be any better than you're going to see most of the time in the SEC. Um, Jaden Williams got a lot of time at left tackle. Mason Brooks did not play much. It, it, it looked like an offensive line that has been moving a lot of parts around, was not uh, was not in sync, and then, frankly, was still trying to figure it out a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think from a straight-up just what it looked like, frankly, two things, offensive line and then – we didn't necessarily think the receivers were going to pop all over the page, but you look at what happened, and I think the longest reception of the day was 22 yards. Now, 
Dart missed a couple guys early, but for the most part, there wasn't a ton of separations, and I did not think the receivers as a whole played very well either. No. So it was a weird – it was the weird kind of – and this is why I keep saying you have to – as a fan, I think if I were, if I were your, your therapist, what I would tell you is go watch how people treat NFL preseason. And that's what you're going to have to just treat this like because essentially the way that Troy played it was Troy played it with, you know, basically cover four the whole day, run up and tackle. And so I think the problem was that was why Ole Miss, you know, ran so much in the first half and the numbers were so good running because, hey, you basically had seven or eight in coverage on every play. And so you're able to run the football. Well, in the second half, I think they wanted to work on the passing game, and it was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of throwing into tougher situations, and, you know, it, it's just kind of it, it almost felt like they were forcing it because they thought they needed to work on it. But you know, unlike practice where you can say, "Hey, we want you to guys to to work this coverage," you know, you you can't really do that in a game to the other team. Um, I thought it was sloppy in the second half, but I also kind of think the game got that way. You know what I mean? Like, it just kind of got, like, I think it's it's tough to convince the players that that was more than what it was. Um, you know, I, I, I just think that we're in a day and age that it's 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 so rapidly changing, and, and, you know, it's so different than what we're used to. But I think you just have to accept that there's going to be a lot of college games on the schedule this year that was just something that happened at a time and place. And it was something that, that occurred and there's nothing more. You know what I mean? And, and I'm going to get back to that, but this is a decent comment here because again, it's just one game. Troy's not a bad program. They're a pretty good team, but I, I, I highlighted this comment. The run game, the running backs are obviously incredibly good is how much is the lack of a deep threat or the the need for the receivers to get better going to hamper that, though? Because in the SEC, you can load the box. You can do a lot of different things. You know, Ole Miss has always, at least in the last few years, been able to take the top off a little bit. So I guess the point is, what point of the receiving core, the passing game, needs to be better to keep the running game at this level moving forward? Well, Ole Miss wants you to load the box. Because when you load the box, then they get one-on-ones. I mean, the problem is... I think what you're referring to, and I think I would agree with it at this point, they don't have somebody that it doesn't matter what the coverage is, that guy mm-hmm. can go make a play. They do not have that guy, and I think that's, I think that's more than fair. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, Troy added Jared Davey a week ago. I guess he's – I don't know if you still add some – do we have transfer rules? I mean, like, that's where we are. I mean, Memphis literally added a basketball player last week. I don't know. Can you go get somebody? So, and I guess – I will say this. I, I thought it was – I thought it was – it was not inspiring. I would, I would not come here and tell anyone if you feel that way that it's wrong. I just think you have to have a completely different perspective. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, how many guys, how many starters played somewhere else last year? I mean, I didn't count it up, but a ton. Well, I mean, look at this. I'm counting rushing. Evan, Judkins, Dart, Bentley, Robinson, uh, Trigg, Wade, 
Watkins, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He, I mean, so what I just do, like 11, I mean, that's just the thing. Like, basically the only guys that they have that are, that were even, that like played in this offense or know this offense last year was their offensive line. And to me, if you want to be disheartened, that was what I was disheartened by. Like, I, I just did not think that, I, I did not think they played well. Is that indicative of more than today? Um, I think it could have also just been, um, you know, uh, game game plan, game style. You know what I mean? Like, in you know, they 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 played played trying to keep everything in front. So, in the end, you're just kind of the, like when you get into those situations for this offense it becomes like a lot of just like quick zone runs. And I think maybe they didn't get into a rhythm. And I think maybe, maybe they game plan for something a little different, but like, I don't know. It just never clicked. And it also, it's entirely possible. You know, what was on this on third down? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Let's see. That's not bad. Nine to 14. Yeah. I'm going to see the first half though. Let's see. Home. It almost felt like they just never, Ever got into like a rhythm? Yeah, like the first, they didn't com- convert the first three third downs. Like, yeah, you know, like they, they just, you know, they just never got into rhythm. But I guess on the other side, the, the problem is, who knows what to make of Troy? But I do think, I think most people thought if Ole Miss was going to have the big, big regression this year, I think most people believed Ole Miss's offense would be fine because Kiffin will figure it out. And I think most people thought the defense would regress. I don't know. I was pretty impressed with them. I thought they actually did at times dominate. I, I, I thought they were incredibly good on, in, in all ways. I thought Partridge had a good plan. You knew Troy was not going to blow the top off of you at any point. They tackled incredibly well. You know, two things that really stuck out for a game one for me was the way the defense tackled, considering all the new guys, the new positions, all the changes and all the continuity that you don't have this season – they really tackled effectively, and then they didn't have any penalties. They didn't really do anything dumb. It was a pretty clean football game other than those turnovers and all that crap there in the second half for Ole Miss. But defensively, they kept the penalties to a minimum. They they, they got some – they did not get consistent pressure, but I thought they did affect some things. And then, as expected, they played really well in the secondary. They tackled in the secondary, and then you look at it, Tashim Johnson, 12 tackles. Troy Brown ends up with 10 tackles. He wasn't overly dynamic, but he did make plays in the middle of the field. I mean, I I don't know how you could have expected much at all more than than what the defense gave you. I thought, I mean, I thought they they, they were an A today. Yeah, I, I agree. Zero. They had one holding penalty uh, called on them, and it was declined. But remember, it was that uh, that little like screen pass towards the uh, towards the away sideline. Like it was right after the turnover. I don't know. I just think the problem is Ole Miss's identity is so much based on offense and it's just going to be clunky and it's going to be, it's going to be a work in progress for a while. And I think the more interesting thing to watch moving forward for me is if Ole Miss is going to continue to build its roster through the transfer portal, I think you're going to have to, you're going to have to have the schedule where it's soft up front and you can ease your way into it just because I think you're going to need that time to kind of build cohesion. 
is that doable? I mean, how, how much say do you have in being able to do that? I don't know. I mean, the, the one question is when do you get start conference games? Like Kentucky and Florida are next week, right? Yeah. Georgia, South Carolina. Oh, it's two weeks still, isn't it? Yeah. No, or Arkansas, I, I really South Carolina know. is next week. I know, I'm, I'm nearly certain Kentucky and Florida play next week. Okay. Next week, Central Arkansas, Luke is going to start, I'm assuming, play to some extent the way Jackson did today. I mean, we'll talk about this more on Thursday, but how do you feel about this plan? Are you there, Jeffrey? We may have lost him. I'm not getting him at the moment. Um, we'll let him call back. I'm asking that question. No big deal. My favorite player just scored. What are we talking about? Did Ray Davis get a touchdown for Vanderbilt? Did we get that today? I have not turned on Vanderbilt and Elon. That's not been what's uh, what, 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 what's grabbed my attention at this point. That is that that is not quite uh, has not quite gotten me. I mean, I think it's fascinating. I mean, in, in some ways, just what they're doing, playing, playing Luke next, next week, and not in a bad way, but it just creates an interesting environment the way they did it. I mean, the one thing you did was you weren't – you let a guy have a game, and I, and I do think that's better than back and forth. You get a series, I get a series, you play it like that and just kind of see what happens. I don't think that, 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 that necessarily works at all um, because it just puts an extra layer of pressure that doesn't make any sense. You're much better off giving them enough time to really let it – let it let let it play out and go at that point. Um, so I, I I think I like it, but I was curious at Jeffrey's uh Jeffrey's thought there. Hi, you've reached Jeffrey with ninety two nine FM. Please leave. He tried to call me right before that, so I'm assuming he will call back. Yeah, we got a tie game in in Florida. What's your thought on this plan to play Altmaier next week? Man, you better really think it's a toss-up because, I don't know, here, here was kind of my things on, on Jackson. Is he Matt Corral? No. But, I mean, you know, anybody remember Matt's first start at Memphis? Because I do. It might have been one of the worst the worst performances I've seen an Ole Miss quarterback have. It was a really I mean, bad he was day. horrible that day. And and obviously the offense was a different offense, but I mean he was he was horrible. So you know, I I think Altmeyer clearly gives them the higher floor, but to me, if someone's going to end up having the Matt Corral-type career, it's going to be dark. Do you expect Altmaier to play the way Dart played today, meaning he gets basically three-quarters of that game? I guess, but then there's also the reality of, like, I don't know, does Central Arkansas – like, I think like that's kind of the problem. It's like, does any of this really matter? Like, you know what I mean? Like – how how is this preparing you for anything other than I guess it's giving you more reps? 
Well, there's no way. I mean, it's not a it's not a head to head comparison. I mean, Troy is not bad on defense. I mean, I'm, look, I'm not calling them Georgia or Alabama. Don't get me wrong, but they're not awful. They're okay defensively. They're a pretty fundamentally sound team. It's going to win some games in the Sun Belt. They don't suck. Central Arkansas is an FCS team. I mean, it, it's one of those deals where even if Luke goes out there and goes 16 for 20 for 250, and I, I, this isn't defending Dart, this is defending both of them. How do you necessarily gauge that unless it's literally just sort of how you operated and ran things? in a vacuum well, for your own offense at that point. I guess I guess if you're asking my like real opinion, yeah. my real opinion is I don't buy it. Because we had been hearing what did we hear coming into today? Uh well, you know, both are gonna play. Well, it was pretty clear to me who the starting quarterback was. I almost think that Jim Harbaugh opened up like this oh, I can use this new excuse of one will start one week, the other will start the other. I just don't really see coaches doing that. Lane Kiffin has never juggled quarterbacks in his entire career. My suspicion is that Jackson Dart is his quarterback, but there's some politicking. So how much is it going to play? What's your guess? Snap percentages next Saturday, if it gun to your head. Well, I mean, I mean, this week it was what? It was basically 80-20. But like, part of that's like game script and game flow. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Through, I, mean, I, I, I mean, look through what, two passes? Look through two passes. And, I mean, like, you know, obviously part of Luke's playing time was hurt when I don't know what the center was doing. Did he think he was under center? Like, you know, obviously that, like, cut into – they would have probably had a full drive there, mm-hmm. and he would have gotten more snaps. But, like, I, I I don't know. I mean, to me, like, I don't feel like Luke took a meaningful snap today. I guess that's how I would say it. And I guess so that's I my guess thing. Maybe I have it, a hard it, time buying that Jackson's not going to take a meaningful snap next week. I, I really do, too. I will say this. It did not look like to me like Jackson Dart was still in a quarterback competition today. I mean, also think about it this way. Coaches say a lot of things, and let's be real, lie a lot. The only quarterback that I can think of that was brought in to be a starter that is not currently starting from the portal is Calzada. And by all accounts, Calzada had every opportunity to win the job and could not do so. You are very confident in your mind that Jackson Dart will start against Georgia Tech. I am very confident that that will be the case. What's the one thing you want to see by the time Tech rolls around in two weeks? Um... I'd like to see um, – I'd like to see Jackson – I tonight, like, I thought on his deep ball, I thought the problem was he just gunned it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't – and if you remember Matt early early on kind of struggled with this, like the, the COVID year, and then he learned how to, like, put a little more air under it and let the guys run under it on the deep ball. I, I'd like to see that because I think if they have – if they have that threat, I mean, let's let's also be completely clear. Those running backs are studs. Sure. Like the, those guys, those guys give you chances. And so, 
I'd like to see the deep threat become more regular because if, I think if that is the situation, if that's a reality that defenses have to prepare for, I think Kiffin's going to figure out a way to get those running backs in space. And if you're able to kind of create more space because of the deep threat, I think those guys, we saw today, man, uh, they, they can make people miss. And they, can, they can get you a lot with very little. Zach Evans today, I think 22 touches, 152 yards. It's very clear that, you know, we talked about this ton. Lane Kiffin has a guy. It's been Amari Cooper. It's been Elijah Moore. It's been whomever, you know, Matt Corral last year. Evans is going to be his dude, especially if Evans is not worried about pitch counts and is willing to grab the ball 20 to 25 times. I think that's probably where this thing is going to be moving forward. I think that 22 to 25 snaps is it's probably about right for him. And, I mean, my God, he is one dynamic son of a gun. Yeah, the only the only negative thought I had about him was God. I hope that he makes it to November because it felt like uh, just straight durability. It felt like it. It, it felt like uh, he was going to have a high, very high usage rate. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I think that's been the surprise because you know coming in, I wasn't sure. You know, he's never finished a season, so for injury yeah. for him, you know, kind of worried about <laughs> his be- tires a little bit. Whether it be high school or college, it seems like he has not finished right. the season. Uh, you mentioned multiples. You're talking about Judkins, too. First, you haven't been at practice. First time you've really seen him. What do you think of that? Uh, I see why he was uh, highly sought after. Um, now, can we also agree uh, there's some PTSD of every time you hear Judd and you see a running back and you realize <laughs> there was a dumbass that played him over an NFL running back. Um, but, you know, he had really good, really good vision. And I just caught what it was. You paid, you paid more for him, and you were worried about him being unhappy and talking, so he was your tailback. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's same thing. I think he has really good vision, and, man, guys were bouncing off of him tonight. He's a guy that it will not – you know, he got 14 carries. He had 87 yards, I think, something like that today. I mean, it's it's that deal where I think you could probably give him 10 to 15 touches at least, and he's going to be fine. Bentley got the touchdown where he rolled over the defender, but we really didn't see much of him. Didn't see Bullock today. Um, I, I will say this as we kind of wrap up the old Miss portion of this is I thought – Mingo did not connect with Dart, but I thought Mingo looked pre-injury self. I mean, if you told me to kind of – predict somebody who could maybe not be the, hey, I'm going to be the one receiver and they're going to have that because I'm not sure they're going to have that. I did think Mingo athletically did some good things today and had the quarterback play been better, he would have had a better day. I think that was fair. He looked he looked to be like the steady force, like on kind of the third downs and stuff when like you needed, you needed the catch. That's who they went to. Um, and, and I'd agree with that. Uh, the other thing for me is if, if these other two running backs are going to be what they are, which is they look extremely good, uh, I've seen Bentley be able to catch the football and be kind of like slot, slot guy. I, mm. I would think I would try to work on. I, I, think he's, I think he has proven enough to be someone that you should at least get him some touches in some form or fashion. He's hell in space, and it's hard to put him in and just give him straight tailback carries when you have Evans and Judkins on. Correct. Yeah. So those two things together, there's no doubt. Let's bounce around for a second, and I'll, I'll let you get out of here. I know you're hanging out watching football. 
my God in hell at Georgia today, um, no matter what Alabama does, it's kind of hard to not make Georgia the number one team in the country. Stetson Bennett's underrated, and Bo Nix looked every bit like the Bo Nix we saw at Auburn today. Yeah, so we were talking on my show. We do like a what are we what are we going to be talking about on Monday type thing, and the the consensus that Mark and I both came to was we felt like on Monday there was the opportunity for us to come back and say, yeah, we kind of we kind of like ignored Georgia for no real reason. Like, you know what I mean? Like everyone's like, well, they lost a bunch of people in the draft. It's like. Yeah, have you, have you seen what they're they have behind it? Like they're going to probably do that again. Um, I, I that tight end was it zero? Who's the guy? He was like six seven two seventy, and he was running hurdles. Like holy, sh- like that was unreal. Um, yeah, I mean, I think so far from what I've seen. Uh, if anyone other than Georgia wins the East, I would be stunned. Oh, that's not happening. And I would be absolutely stunned. And then, you know, I mean, I will give Dan Lanning credit, this, this credit. Um, I've seen other defensive coordinators that got their, their head coaching gig and tried to win, like, tried to win every game, like 17-14. He was trying to run tempo and give his offense a chance. It's just, mm-hmm. hey, it turns out that uh, four years of data, four years of data of, of Bo Nix was not unfair to him. He obviously said tons about Georgia. Did it also say anything about the Pac-12 and just that race with Oregon, too? Because, I mean, we're watching this right now, and look, you picked it, so credit to you if it holds. But Utah's not exactly running Florida off the damn field at the moment. Well, and if, if Florida – so on the first drive, Florida had a Florida had a fumble that got ran back, you know, inside basically the 30. So Utah's score was even, you know, turnover-aided. Um, it tells me that there's a decent chance when we finish tonight uh, the Pac-12 is going to come down to USC or nothing, or we will find ourselves – uh, yet again, having the Pac-12 be irrelevant to the national conversation. Anything else around around the country today stick out? Um, did you see the most beautiful football game ever played? Is that Iowa where they score seven points without a touchdown? No, 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 no. But we can bring that into the story. Okay. Um, in Boone, North Carolina, both teams covered the over by themselves individually. Um. And then imagine if you had to – if you had to do the, the Dan Carlin and explain it to an alien, imagine if you had to explain to them that North Carolina App State is the same thing as Iowa and South Dakota State. Same game, same rules, everything applies. This is the, the, this is the same thing. Like imagine if you had to do that. I was I was hurt. The only thing the only thing that was ups- the thing the thing that was upsetting about the Iowa game was that they got the second safety and the score looked normal. The fact that the final was seven to three, excuse me, was so annoying. It made it better. Than like it looked five, like a normal football stunt. Yes. Yeah, but no, but five three was better. Five three was more perfect. 
North Carolina is still is going to go four and eight, right? Uh, I think that quarterback's pretty good. Okay, Luke May is pretty good. So you thought that was uh, but your brother and I were talking about that to an extent, even though North Carolina looked like hell against yeah. Florida A and M too. Correct, but like North Carolina got three score leads multiple times. Like if you watch the game, it was just a it was just a drunken game that that happened. But your brother and I were having this discussion. Is being an Iowa fan fun? Like in the end, you're you know you've got a pretty decent chance of winning eight or nine games. You know that you can have a run every so often, and it's a real run. Sure. But like, I don't know. Like, having to watch that team would not be enjoyable for me because of your quarterback and offense desires. Just, just because? No, just just the idea of. The idea that offense doesn't matter is infuriating to me. Like, I don't, I don't get listed up because I've got a great punter. I don't want to know what my punter actually looks like. I think watching Iowa is that deal where you get done and you feel like you've been in a car wreck, but you were just kind of glad you weren't overly injured. Like, because, yeah, there's nothing fun about it, but you, you come out in a decent mood, but you went, God, was I really enjoying that while it was happening? Well, and further, you play too many close games. Like, that, that has to be an exhausting experience. It looked like, though, that was a deal today that was not necessarily just Iowa being Iowa early in the season where they do dumb things. It looked like they have even less offense than usual, and they might just kind of be a very average football team instead of that team that still finds a way to get 93. Maybe that's a hot take, but I just kind of watched them and went, they're not even as dynamic well, as we see them when they go to the Outback Bowl all the time. No, to be clear, they played a very good FCS program. Sure. Like, uh, I, I, I don't want to be the guy that is ignorant of that fact. But whatever Kirk Ferentz has on Iowa that has continuously get, like, given him extensions really when he didn't deserve them, whatever that stuff is, Spencer Petras has the same thing on him. Because the fact that he keeps picking him to be his quarterback, like that, to me, like that, that's – when you ask me, like, why do I – why would it be unfun – the fact that my the coach, the leader of my program, thinks that that guy is a leader and should be should be the the guy that plays the most important position, like that would be enough for me to be like, I'm good. I don't need to watch this. What'd you uh, What'd you get for the food today? What are we catering in for the for the for the for the day and the evening? Catering. We we've got we got a we went over to we went to Costco early. Uh, so we've got uh, some delicious USDA prime ribeyes uh, okay. that are getting ready to hit the grill. Uh, okay. We will be doing baked potatoes and asparagus with them. And uh, let's just say the wine fridge is full tonight. Right. I, I haven't started yet, but the wine fridge is full tonight. Give me, uh, give me one late game uh, pick, betting-wise, and I'll let you go. Uh, what are we on tonight? Stuff I love is all er- – uh, I'm going to spring the trap. I'm taking Oregon State minus two and a half because everyone loves Boise, and I also kind of think the Mountain West stinks. Ooh. 
That's a good one because I had I, I kind of like Boise in that game. I think everybody likes Boise, so therefore I'm going to zig when they zag. Okay, good enough. Enjoy the steaks, bud. Appreciate All it, right, boys. All right. It's Jeffrey Wright. It's being 92.9. Neil is about ready. Um, he said he has a column up, so that is at rebelgrove.com. We'll go to Brian for just a minute, and then we'll go get Neil. We'll give him a uh, a second to uh, to kind of get settled um, and see what's going on with him. Let me check in with him real quick and see what's, uh, what's going on. Let's get Brian on the horn. We'll talk to him in just a minute. Then we'll go to Neil, and then we'll kind of get some calls from there with you uh with you guys. I think that works out the best. So hold on a second. Let me uh, let me let me get Brian on right now. And we'll call him, see what he's going on. He's he's out of town, but he's just kind of hanging around watching football today. So we'll talk to him. And then uh get on with it. What's everybody drinking by the way? What's going on? What's in the what, what's in the cups? What percentage of you guys went to the game and you're calling from the grove or the car or something and who's just kind of hung out on the couch that the crowd looked like it kind of filled in okay for the most part that I that I noticed. So that was not that was not terrible today. I'd heard, I guess Wednesday or Thursday of the week, I had heard that they were eight nine thousand tickets short. I know they did some faculty and staff giveaway stuff, but then it looked like it was late arriving, which is kind of just the norm. But for the most part, it was uh, it was okay. And then did they go ahead? Did the band play that one Mississippi song? Did they get the the Battle Hymn of the Republic back into the into the show today what was what was that um kind of inquiring minds want to know there let me know what's going on we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What's up, Brian Rippey, live with us here. Um, oh, we talked to Jeffrey, just kind of hanging out. Um, the band did play the, the song, by the way. I just saw saw that uh, in the in, in, in the chat box there. Um, we talked to Jeffrey a good bit about quarterback play. We won't. Tr- I'll try not to do the same thing when we do the same thing over and over and over again with all the guests because we still got to talk to Neil in a few minutes. But um, I, I, I guess I'll open up with this. Was Jackson Dart exactly kind of what you thought, or did anything about that surprise you today? I think it was about what I thought it would be. It was probably a little underwhelming, and definitely the final you know, box score statistics would indicate that as well. But generally, I thought it was about you know about what I figured it would look like. Um, you know, he looked at one side of the field or to one read too much. He had some good moments, a couple of good throws. I was a little bit, um, I was a little bit surprised they did not run him more. That's probably a product of Kiffin just being a little bit vanilla, uh, but made some bad decisions as well, right? The pick was a bad decision. Made a couple other ones that didn't necessarily turn into a turnover. But um, outside of that, yeah, I mean, it was about what I figured. I just thought the offense as a whole seemed to lack cohesion and chemistry as well. Um, I didn't think the receivers played overly well uh, either today, but. Yeah, I really don't feel like I learned a lot. That entire game felt like what I imagine Kiffin and this coaching staff watched throughout the scrimmages. I mean, I, what they had three scrimmages in preseason camp, but every single one they go, I don't know, did some good things, did some bad things, defense played better than the offense. Well, hell, what did that look like today? The exact same thing. So I don't know what exactly we learned with regard to quarterback or really anything with this team outside of some minor stuff. Do they need a wide receiver to step up, get more separation, and kind of become the guy? Or can they do this thing with the run game and Zach Evans and Judkins being the the freaks that they appear to be? When you say do this, it depends on what you mean. I mean, I don't think this team can go nine and three, ten and two, and you know, in last year's air, if that's what you're referring to, mm-hmm. without one of those receivers playing better football. I do think they can be super. Super effective running the uh, running the ball today. I thought Evans looked as good as advertised. I mean, just the way – I don't know. Sometimes you can tell when a guy runs, he just looks different. Um, I did that NIL interview with him a while back in the summer, and at one point I asked him what made him different. He said, I quote, not many running backs make their own holes. And I was like, wow, that's quite the quote. But, I mean, he backed it up today. You can tell with the way he runs it. And so, But I'm kind of rambling. To answer your question, I don't know. I don't think they can be, you know, super – good doing that but you know they can be they can have an identity for running sure yeah i mean I, the offensive line's got to get a little better you can't always um i said mingo was the guy that played well at the bay old host I'm, I'm, I'm doing the exact opposite i thought mingo was the one receiver that gave him a chance dart just overthrew him early a couple times um you know i agree with that for the record yeah i mean i, I thought mingo was actually i thought he looked pre-injury self and was pretty good today you know i i thought Maybe first game, Joe and Robinson didn't look like I expected. I mean, I, I, you know, early in the preseason and during camp, I thought he was the guy probably that I would have picked to be that 1A um, receiver. But I thought I thought the game was a little fast for him today. He'll get better. It was just one day. I'm not even necessarily picking on him. But Mingo was the one. I thought he flashed a couple times. But, I mean, you look at it, and that's all the whole Jeffrey. 22 yards was the longest catch by an Ole Miss receiver today. I mean, that's, that, that's something we haven't seen in a while because Ole Miss, frankly, has had pretty good quarterback play for – 
for a long time now. So that, that, that kind of shocked me for the most part. But I guess my point being that offensive line has got to get a little better in run protection, you know, or, or, or in the run game, I should say. They played Jaden Williams. Um, Mason Brooks did not play much today. I know he played guard there late. I'll talk to Neil about that after he talked to Kiffin here in a few minutes, so I won't focus on that. But from an offensive standpoint, I did think the game got bogged down in the second half. I also thought that they just had an inability to get to rhythm. I thought they had a chance at rhythm in the first quarter, and Dart kind of overthrew those guys, and they relied on the run game. But it's where I am interested in Central Arkansas next week, and not really even the Altmire or Dart angle. Just in general, is can they get in a little better rhythm? Can they move the ball consistently and kind of see what the offense is supposed to look like? Because in some ways, they never really got on task enough to know, and I know it was a limited playbook, but what we expect this thing to look moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And there were times last year with a lot of returning pieces that the offense got bogged down and didn't look very good. I know in a 10-2 and year, most people remember the high points of it, but I mean, Vanderbilt comes to mind. Uh, that second half of Liberty in particular comes to mind. And I know they were beat to hell and Corral wasn't 100% healthy. But, you know, a lot of that looks similar to last year's offense getting bogged down some as well. And these are two completely different units. I'm not necessarily comparing the two, but I guess just more pointing out that, you know, that seems to be kind of a theme sometimes with this Kiffin offense. I don't necessarily know what to attribute that to. But, yeah, it just seemed like a lack of cohesion in general, which is kind of to be expected with the team with two 19-year-old kids competing for the quarterback job and a lot of new receivers and a good offensive line, but a new piece or two on there and a lot of new faces on defense. But yeah, I don't really know what to make of it. I don't feel like, do you feel like we learned a whole lot about what this team can and will be, whether it be quarterback or the team as a whole? I thought defensively, and not to belabor points I made earlier, I thought defensively they played well. I, I thought in two ways. It wasn't just necessarily that they held them to 10 points or that they did any of those type of things. It was that I thought they were very, very sound. I thought they were disciplined, and I thought they tackled incredibly well for first game of the season, new coordinator calling the plays, and so many guys that are either in different spots or next to different guys or new guys, period, at Ole Miss. I, I just thought that defensively, had you told Chris Partridge coming in, hey, here's exactly what this looks like, he would have taken that all day long. I, I mean, I thought they were legitimately really good. You know, I thought I thought Miles Battle played well. I thought DeAndre Prince played well in coverage. I thought um, Benison played really well for his first day. He was physical. I, I thought he did some really, really good things. And then, you know, with Coleman coming on like he did, two sacks and doing some different things flying around, he and Troy Brown kind of complimented each other. Austin Keys played pretty well in the red zone at times. I, You know, the defensive line did not get tons of push and penetration and just cause havoc, but Troy was getting the ball out quickly. They were doing some things offensively to negate that, and I thought Ole Miss, for the most part relative to what we expected, I thought they played really, really damn well on the second level. I thought they did as well, and the identity looked more similar to last year, right? A lot of you know, relying a lot on the secondary and those guys, you know, the the Tennyson's, the Tysheem Johnsons of the world that are secondary members, but kind of tweeners and act as pseudo linebackers when they're around the line of scrimmage, whatever you want to call it. And I thought they tackled pretty well in space. I, I thought, I guess, if there was some concern, a lot of the time it seemed like when they did struggle against the run, some of those interior runs, the linebacking play wasn't great and they were a little soft in the middle, but everything else, they were really good. You're right. I mean, do they send a gift basket to TCU for Coleman and Evans? I mean, they pick two guys that play that well and I get it's one game, but two guys from one school, that that's pretty wild. I thought he did a lot. I mean, I think he had two tackles for loss. Um, I think it was two actual actually sacks. Five. 
yeah, two sacks. I think five total tackles for Lawson was everywhere. I thought Tennyson played well too. And, you know, Tashim Johnson, it's hard to tell watching it one time. Like I'd be interested to go back and watch this from a defensive standpoint in the morning. And I'm looking forward to doing that, but you know, he was at least productive. I think Tashim Johnson ended up leading them in tackles and that can be misleading at times too. But yeah, I mean, not to belabor the point. I agree. I thought they played pretty well defensively. I thought they tackled really well in space and I thought they looked fast. Um, which they really kind of did at the second half of last year as well. So I thought defensively it was pretty good. Got to go to Neil in a second. Uh, anything else from around the country sticking out right now earlier in the day? Not really. Um, Georgia, I don't know if Georgia's really good or Oregon's pretty bad. I, I, I that got the second TV treatment. Um, I, this isn't necessarily around the country, but I, I am curious. I haven't literally, I guess, spoken on air since the whole – Jim Harbaugh, you get one start, the next guy gets the next start. What do you make of that? I find that an interesting way to do things. And it seemed like the narrative with all this, with the quarterback piece of it, was early on, okay, this will probably go in the season because they have time to do it. And then Kiffin was pretty you know, staunchly against that idea unless they had to. And now it sounds like they're at the point where they had to. I'm just curious what you make of that. Like, Can you actually learn anything about these two guys when you give them each one start against a UCA and a Troy? I'm just I'm not saying it's the wrong way to handle it. I just find it fascinating and a little bit unorthodox. There's there's a there's a positive and a negative, and I kind of alluded to this. There, there's a negative in that they're not the same opponents. Troy is a much better team than Central Arkansas, a much, much better defense. You know, you, if you look at stats, which Kiffin's not going to do, my point is the fan base looking at stats and going, hey, well, he did this and he did this, That that's completely irrelevant. That has nothing to do with it. It's going to be about the command of the system, command of the offense, making throws, those sorts of type deals, no matter who the opponent is. And what I do like about it is if you really aren't sure if that's the case, I mean, Jeffrey thinks that it's very possible that this is all just kind of a ruse and that Dart's going to play against Georgia Tech, but they're giving Luke a, a, a quote-unquote opportunity. I have no sourcing on that, I'm just, but I mean, I understand whatever that, you know, I, I understand that opinion. I understand why that's the case. It, it, if it was if it was being that, we see that all around the country in different ways all the time. I just don't know that to be true. But point being, Luke gets an opportunity, and it's not just switching out series. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think you're in a worse shape if you're going, hey, you get a series or two, and you get a series or two, and you start putting that all together and doing all this kind of stuff. That doesn't work. I mean, at least let them get into the rhythm of the game. Let them flow. If, you, if you're having a true competition, which, I mean, Kiffin says there is. There's no reason to, to say he's lying and not to believe him. You know, it, it's that deal where you're, you're getting sample sizes where they get to go back after mistakes, after good throws, and do it again. If you're going to play both quarterbacks and you don't have to worry about you're going to win the game because you're going to win these first two games no matter what, it's 100% the way to do it. I, I do believe in – if it's a true competition, doing it the way he is, he is currently operating it. Yeah, you're right. It's just a shame he didn't get biblical like Harbaugh and talk about chopping people in half. But I generally agree. Like it, it seems like a, I guess, fair and I, I guess logical way to look at it. And this is really not really like this is not having to do with anything we talked about to this point. But I did get some stuff on Twitter about making sweeping assumptions about Dart or vice versa. And I just went back to I went back to the last three quarterbacks at Ole Miss minus Chad Kelly that I thought, quote, worked out and how they looked in their debuts. I don't know if this is interesting at all, but Corral went 9 of 19 for 93 yards in his debut in a loss to Memphis. Bo Wallace, I couldn't find his halftime stats, but he finished his 20-24 for 280, two touchdowns, one pick. But they trailed Central Arkansas 20-14 to at halftime in his debut. Mm -hmm. And then Jevin Seed went 10 of 22 for 185 in a win over Memphis. Like, I would say all three of those guys worked out okay, 
And I don't think you probably learned a whole hell of a lot from their debuts. And, you know, they're all very different, different factors, different opponents. But I just found that interesting because I don't think you ever really learn anything about a quarterback in their debut, particularly against an opponent like that. And um, I, that's not necessarily a pro dark case. I just kind of found it interesting to go back. And I guess Altmeyer gets his shot next week, unless it's a ruse, like Jeffrey said. I kind of I kind of give some credence to that, but I suppose we'll see. But um, it is certainly uh, certainly fascinating. The snap cap percentages will tell us. I mean, if Dart plays half the game, then that's not even, and they forget they're probably going to play Dart or whatnot. And then, yeah, whoever actually plays against uh, against Georgia Tech will be the starter, in my opinion, because that is a game, at least against an ACC opponent, on the road in Atlanta for uh, for that. So, anyway, I'm going to give Neil a shout. Appreciate it, bud. We need it all. I'll give you a shout back. I know you're watching football, and uh, be safe headed back to Oxford. Yep, sounds good. All right. Neil McCready is ready to talk to us, so we'll do that here in uh, here in a second. Yeah, I didn't hear anything bad about the uh, the halftime show. I mean, that was not something I really was focused on, but I did not hear any uh, any issues with that over the course of, uh, of the day. Just with people talking. Let's see. Let me get Neil on the horn. Hang in with me for just a second. Still a little clunky with my uh, back to producing. It's been a little while since we used a different program and I was operating the controls. Neil's been handling that well here in the uh the past time so let's get him on the horn let's see neil mccrady here we go neil you're live on the mpw digital post game show how was uh how was lane today in his press conference And he knows that he's got another week of quarterback questions coming his way, and after today, he probably expects them. What do you make of this Altmaier starting next week? I mean, is it one of those deal where do you expect him to get the same number of reps that Dart did today? I mean, what does this look like next week? So when I was told this morning, so the first time I heard about this, you and I talked about this yesterday, I heard that that uh, Luke and Jackson had been told that it was really even that uh, Jackson was going to start today and it was going to be his game and that Luke was going to get the second game. And kind of didn't go with it because I kind of felt like I needed a little more confirmation. I got that confirmation when I got to the stadium today. And I was told that, yeah, while Luke was told he would play today, that it wasn't necessarily some locked-in-stone deal. Lane wanted Jackson to have the game. He wanted it to be his game, and then he would take the game from Jackson when he felt like it was time to take it from him, and that the plan for next week is to give Luke the Central Arkansas game and let Luke have the game until the game's not his anymore. Um, you know, because I, the person that told me this had talked to Kiffin, and, and Kiffin had said, look, if, if you know, we don't win these two games, we've got bigger problems than that. And so you got to figure it out. He wants to see them both play and wants to see how they sort of handle, um, you know, making mistakes, a failed series, that kind of thing. He doesn't want to get into some alternating series thing. He thinks that's a disaster. I doesn't think it works. And so what he said to us after the game, Chase, is that, these two quarterbacks are just really even. I talked to someone close to one of the quarterbacks earlier in the week who said that when you look at the numbers, one of the quarterbacks has, you know, I think it's clear that it's Dart, 
more big plays, but also has more mistakes. And the other quarterback has fewer big plays and a lot fewer mistakes. And so it's just really close. And Lane said as much today. He said he just didn't think it was – he didn't think they were at a place where they could just name one the starter. I mean, it was too, it was too even. I just I said this earlier, I guess maybe to Jeffrey. It, to me, at least, see if you agree or disagree, it looked exactly like we what we kind of would have predicted with Jackson Dart. He made some nice plays. He moved around. He he, he has a ceiling that very much is a is an upper tier SEC quarterback. While at the same time, he focused on one receiver that led to his interception because he never left the right side of the field. He didn't look off the safety, and it was a pretty easy pick for the Troy kid, and then early on, he was overthrowing guys, and there was a couple opportunities there to really get into rhythm, and he didn't make the throws to allow that rhythm to happen. Yeah, he had a couple of deep balls that were there for him, and it wasn't like he was way off, but he was just off. Lane said that's been a frustrating thing at times during camp. They just can't quite get the, the deep game to connect, and that's something that's a big part of what Lane wants to do. Lane referred to the offense as boring today. Um you know, the the other part of it that you were just talking about, um, you know, he sometimes hitches a little bit too much. He's he's, he's a little indecisive. You've got to make the read. you got to get rid of the ball. There was a, a play. I wrote about it in my column that's up on the site. There was a play in the, I want to say, third quarter where uh, Malik Heath was open on an RPO on a touchdown. Lane threw his hands up, you know, like, as Lane is apt to do, and, and that's not the read that Jackson made. And, and Lane literally made them run the play exactly the same way the next play, and that went for a uh, that went for the touchdown on the pass to Heath. So it's a work in progress. Um, he did some good things. He's got an upside. Um, this is his second year of playing college. It's obviously his first year here. I thought he did a really good job of spreading the ball around. I thought early on he was starting to get into a rhythm and they were moving the football and kind of taking what they got and they were punishing Troy with the running game. And, you know, and then like you talked about in the second half, it just kind of bogged down a little bit and they had the, they had the fumble and then they had the pick and, uh, you know, and then he, he didn't have a very good read on the next position that led to a punt and they went ahead and, and gave Altmaier opportunity and then the very first snap from to Luke didn't even get close to him and that was a fumble and I thought from there they just offensively were kind of discombobulated. What did you make of the offensive line rotation and just kind of the running game in general because Evans and Judkins were both dynamic as hell. I mean they were amazing but I didn't necessarily feel like the line as a whole played very well today. Um, frankly even in the run game it just felt like the bags made a ton of plays. Yeah, the backs made plays. Those two backs, I wrote about them already. I'm about to write about them some more. Um, Evans is special. He could have gone for 220 today. Lane talked about how in the second half, they could have just kept running the football, but he needs to see the passing game. He knows, look, Chase, we can can beat this up. He knows come second half of the season, you can't just run the ball and and, and expect to win. You've got to do other things. You've got to be able to uh, have balance. This, it, it's just required if you're going to play against the, you know, the LSU's and the Auburns and the Alabamas of the SEC. You, you just have to have balance in those games. And so he was trying to force, some, trying to force some development today. So you know, it's easy to get hung up on scores and the way something looked. They they had the game won. They were working on some other things. 
But to answer your question about the offensive line, it was okay. Um, they had some injuries. I'm not sure exactly. Like you probably saw it better on TV than I saw in the stadium. I don't know. He referred to left tackle. I'm assuming that Williams went down some, and they had to move Jeremy back over. And they, they I saw Michael Pettis got some snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the I thought the offense offensive line was, was was okay. I didn't think it was I didn't think it was like world beaters, but they were they were they were, they were fine. I've had this take with Brian and Jeffrey and actually in the opening opening the linebackers because of what Corey Coleman did today being pretty dynamic, even in the run defense game, which we didn't expect from him as much as just being a pass rusher and the way he was able to play. They made a ton of tackles. They didn't miss many tackles. They were very assignment sound for a group that hasn't necessarily been together. It's Partridge's first game calling the defense the way he is. They were really good on the second and third level tonight. I thought their linebacker play was was really good. Yeah, me too. I thought Troy Brown. I, I thought Troy Brown had a really effective physical game. Um, and then you, you Kari Coleman five tackles for loss, first Ole Miss player since Mark Robinson to do that in in a game. And, and Mark and he become the, the two Ole Miss players with five tackles for loss in a game for Ole Miss since 1999 or something like that. I just heard. The oh wow! Okay. Cards. Don't don't ask me. I'm not the great historian, but it's something along those lines. I don't know. Coleman obviously was terrific. Um, if, if I was looking at it right, Keys made some plays. Um, you know, but I, I thought those two starting linebackers were were really good. And I'll tell you this: this is where things start getting interesting. Two of the very first people off the field, which usually is a sign of guys that aren't particularly happy about their playing time. Um, uh, Don Clowney didn't didn't play much, didn't particularly seem to be all that happy. Uh, Brandon Ward, same thing. So, you know, I mean, you're Matt. starting to see some separate – Brandon Mack, I'm sorry. You're starting to see some separation there, probably. And so, you know, you have some guys that will show up this week and they have two choices. You can kind of sulk or you can get to work and, and try to earn yourself more time. But, you know, I thought Troy and, and Coleman both, they looked like – they look not like just SEC linebackers tonight. I thought they looked like big-time linebackers tonight. And then, look, they've got some physical dudes in the back of the defense. I mean, Davidson Igbonison, um, Tysheen, Otis Reese will knock your head off. I mean, there, there's a lot of physicality back there. I thought they, I thought they defended pretty well in the second half. They, they kind of lost their edge a little bit. That happens. That happens to early in seasons and stuff. I, I know. I don't think that's a tremendously big deal. I thought the way that they played defensively in the first round, if I'm a Miss fan, I'm pretty encouraged by that. What do we make of the Wadhouse today? They've got to be better, right? I mean, I thought Mingo had chances, had the ball gotten to him. I thought Jalen, game was a little fast for him for the most part. He had a couple things, but – you know, I, I get it was the way the game played out. I get they were so good on the ground and all the stuff that we've talked about. But as I've mentioned a couple times, 22 yards for the longest catch of the day didn't really – just didn't do much for me. No. Well, the second game, I wrote this. It was, it was fine. It's all you can say about it. I mean, we do the Chili's thing, right? It was Chili's. And frankly, it was – you got a little risky on the menu at Chili's. It was, it was fine. It, that's, that wasn't a winning passing game. That, that passing game's not going to beat Texas A&M and College Station. It's, it's, it's 
probably not going to beat Arkansas and Fayetteville. It's not going to beat LSU and Baton Rouge. But they don't. They got time. They know it. They got to work on it. They've got to figure it out. I mean, look, it's it's we 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 spent the whole summer talking about quarterback play, and it's going to come back to quarterback play. And the receivers, like you said, the receivers, whoever the quarterback is, the receivers are going to have to help out. Uh, they need they need one of these guys to emerge as a go-to guy. They probably need two of them. I thought you're right. I thought the game kind of went fast for Jalen Robinson. Um, you know, I thought Dayton um, is it Dayton Wade? I Dayton thought he Wade. did some made some nice yeah made some nice plays. Had three catches. I thought Trigg did some good things. For all the criticism of Trigg, I thought Trigg was was a pretty effective pass route uh, route runner and pass catcher. Um. But, it, you know, I mean, the quarterback play was just it – was, it, was, it was okay. You know, I mean, they asked Jackson to, you know, not make mistakes. And until the end, I didn't think he did. But in so doing, I wonder if they got a little more conservative than they actually wanted to be. You know, he did take some shots early. And, you know, like we mentioned a minute ago, they just missed it's, it's one game. You've got to be super careful with the whole overreaction thing. There's a reason we call it overreaction Monday. and There will be lots of people who will make lots of overreactions on Monday that will turn out to look really foolish down the road. It's, it's one game. They, they didn't have to beat Alabama today. They had to beat Troy, and they did. And they'll get another free shot next week because they're not losing to Central Arkansas. It's essentially a glorified scrimmage, and then it'll start to get a little more real. And by the time Kentucky comes here in four weeks, they've got to be a lot better probably. Kentucky uh, tied with Miami of Ohio at the half, it looks like right now. Anthony Richardson goes on a 50-yard touchdown run. Florida 14, Utah 13 right now as uh, we got to get to halftime in Gainesville. And Notre Dame just scored on Ohio State, so a few things going on there. So what what is the image today they're going to pick when they – they hang that Iowa South Dakota State game in a museum somewhere. Oh, I, I, I mean, I thought it was gorgeous. Um, I mean, it's just beautiful. I mean, look, you say what you want about the big I'm kidding. It was terrible. I mean, <laughs> Iowa looked like <laughs> Iowa looked abysmal. I actually watched the first half of that game and kind of hated myself. And after Thursday night, Big Ten was awesome. And Friday night, Big Ten was awesome. I mean, Illinois, Indiana was as entertaining a football game as you'll see. I didn't say it was a good football game. I said it was an entertaining football game. And then you watch Iowa and you're like, man, I don't know. Defensively, they were they were really good. Offensively, they were kind of non-existent. I'm interested in, in that what's happening with Notre Dame and Ohio State because I laid the 17 points with Ohio State. It looks like I'm going to be an idiot. And uh, Florida, Florida looks... What I've seen, the little bit that I've seen so far, Florida looks like they're more than competitive, and it could just be that the Pac-12 officially sucks. Because if if Oregon is indeed the 11th best team in the country, if they are, then we need to go ahead and just give Georgia the crown, man. Because Georgia just just destroyed Oregon. That was that was a humiliating defeat for Oregon. Either that or Georgia's world beaters. And, and it might be a little bit of both, frankly. But, you know, I, I said this in passing. Stetson Bennett is underrated. He is a good college quarterback. He's a really good college quarterback. And he's got the weapons all over half. the damn field. 
and he gets it to him. The first half, he, he had three incompletions. One was a drop, and two were just throwaways. He was he was basically perfect. And defensively, they're just loaded. They, they, they look they look every bit as good as they looked last year. Defensively. Mm-hmm. And he's got, like you said, they've got weapons all over the field, and he gets it to them. And they're playing with tons of confidence, and obviously there's no pressure on them because they, they just won the national championship. It's, all that stuff's over with, and 1980 and all that crap. They, they look like they will be dangerous. Um, yeah, they listen, if, if that's not the best team in the country, oof. Anything else from today that we didn't talk about? Uh, from here, no, I don't think so. I mean, I was kind of disgruntled in the crowd at the end, and they were talking about not covering the line and stuff like that. Look, you all, you and I both wrote in picks. We both picked on this to cover, but we both really thought the line was potentially a little big. And it was, because you just didn't know what Ole Miss was going to look like offensively. You know, Lane talked about this for more than a year, about you better appreciate Matt Corral from 2021, especially the first half of 2021 when he was just so elite. You're not going to get that from one of these guys right now. I think there's a chance Jackson Dart's a terrific quarterback down the road. I'm interested to see what Luke looks like next week. Neither one of them are going to be 2021 Matt Corral at any point. And so the people who are talking about 10 wins, I'm not saying they're wrong, but 10 wins are going to look a whole lot different than 10 wins look last year. Because if this team's going to be a 10-win team, it's going to be a physical um, run the football down your throat, two running backs who can make plays at all times. Uh, It's going to be a team that spreads the ball, that doesn't commit a bunch of turnovers, and it's going to be a team that defensively plays smash mouth. Like that hit that J.J. Pegues had, mm-hmm. maybe it was late third, early fourth quarter. I mean, they, they, they had some explosive plays defensively with, with guys, but they, they brought it. And in fact, if, if this team's going to get to that place, that's how it's going to happen. It, it's not going to happen because somebody steps up and is an all-SEC quarterback. If one of these guys is an all-SEC quarterback, it's happening down the road, not this year. What's on the site? What do you got coming? Uh, I've got my column up, and then I'm working on a, um, a, a sidebar on Zach Evans. He had some funny comments about uh, the offense. Zach had to be uh, had to be talked to after they took him out with 180 yards. He he smelled 200 and, and wanted it. <laughs> but he knows that he knows there's a. There's just a lot of season ahead. He said he didn't care about quarterbacks right now, but he thought that the way that they were running the ball with the people in that room, that they could just they could handle handle the offense as running backs. Uh, talked to uh, Jackson Dorp a little bit about his get day, his game. He admitted that you know it's hard not to put a bunch of pressure on you when you know you're in a, a, a competition that is apparently this close and that. You know you're going to get your opportunity, and you know he's going to get your opportunity, and you have to be careful not to let one mistake turn into two. And uh, we heard from Troy Brown, who uh, was just really complimentary with Kari Coleman, some of the other guys. I think Troy felt, especially in the first half, that they put a really strong effort together. Wasn't particularly pleased about the second half, but I thought that was kind of human nature a little bit to kind of let your foot off the gas some when you realize that what 28 to three. You're not losing the game. There's, there's no chance. 
Yeah, I'll give him a little bit of pass on that, and I, I talked to Jeffrey about this. What impressed me the most, other than some of the tackling and things, is they were pretty clean and didn't commit penalties. You know, the last couple of years, Lane's teams have committed a ton of penalties at different points. And the referees kind of let everybody play for the most part, but they were they were incredibly mistake free from a from a you know foul penalty standpoint today. Yeah, they were pretty clean defensively. Uh, I, I thought they, I thought it, it looked like they were aggressive. I mean, I was kind of looking for some differences in, in schematics. They didn't throw a whole lot at Troy. They didn't have to. Troy didn't have a lot of weapons. I mean, you know, you had. You had come in and told me that you had talked to somebody. I can't remember when this was. It was maybe early August. Somebody who had talked to John Summerall who said, hey, we just don't have any quarterback play. And they didn't have much quarterback play today at all. They, 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 they were going to have a hard time generating offense today. And I think once Chris Partridge saw that, and I suspect he knew it going in, they were pretty conservative. But I, I thought they played with a ton of physicality. I thought they were a lot more physical for a season opener than they were at the beginning of the year last year on defense where they kind of struggled. You know, they didn't get going defensively last year until Robinson got in the lineup and, and um, thought they were far more mm-hmm. uh, cohesive and far more physical. By the way, I saw Chance Campbell on the sidelines. He was here today. So um, he, he mentioned – he mentioned how much he enjoyed doing the show last year and, and all of that stuff. So it was kind of fun to see him just as we were thinking about past defenses. It's kind of kind of fun to see him as he gets ready to make his pro debut next week. What was it like being back in the stadium first time in a while? Um, I kind of missed being able to see a lot of games. Um, I had Georgia on one screen and I had Arkansas on another screen. And then I got knocked off because apparently our – ESPN account had too many logins, so I couldn't see all the games that I kind of wanted to see. And then you start watching a game on TV for a minute, and you miss a couple of snaps, and you have to remind yourself, nope, you're covering the game, be disciplined, watch the game. And 28 to three, you're kind of watching other stuff, and you know, it's you get out of practice covering a game in person, and it takes a little while to get back into it. I think. Yeah. I know that sounds insane, but you know what I'm talking about. Nobody in the audience will have any idea what I mean, but. You get used to watching multiple games on TVs and stuff, and just kind of writing as you go, and it's a little more laid back. And when you're watching in person, and you realize you got to write a lot, and you you have to kind of concentrate more and take more notes and stuff. And I did well for a while, and then I kind of my day as a as a writer sort of reflected Ole Miss's defense. I started strong and finished weakly. <laughs> You've got uh, Zach Evans coming again. Column up on the site. Observations are up, and then we'll have uh, this thing that we're currently doing right here so uh sounds good thanks for the time go do that and we'll uh, we'll continue this conversation on monday all right my friend see you. have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals no well now you have i'm kat mother of three and founder of ritual the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, 
and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.